0: Hayden Hoffmeister and this is the first episode in a little podcast that I'm calling The Seven Year Tour in this show I'm going to take a look at Star Trek, The Next Generation uh, and look at each season uh, the production the episodes in the season the themes behind the season and uh, just the show in general Um, the first Star Trek aired in the 1960s Uh, 1966 to 69, written and created by Gene Roddenberry. And um, at the time, by the late 70s, it was the most uh, successful syndicated television show um, to ever air. And it was kind of the crown jewel of Paramount uh, CBS at the time. They had considered making a film. Series which they ended up doing, but because in the late 70s Star Wars was released, they didn't want to compete, they thought the box office would be terrible, and it was for the original Star Trek films, so it was only natural that they would go on to make a sequel or a follow up series. Uh, So that's why in 1987 they released Star Trek The Next Generation. The Next Generation initially began as a project under Gene Roddenberry and he continued to be involved with the show until his death in 91 but after the first season uh, he actually wasn't really involved Um, it was more just using his name for the value it brought people were still fans of him so they used his name on all the episodes but he had stopped writing after season one um, because of all the difficulties he caused in the writer's room. It was really more of a uh, Rick Berman project Rick Berman being the head producer and uh, the various showrunners Maurice Hurley Michael Pillar, Jerry Taylor, they all helped immensely um, especially after Rod and Mary was off the show So obviously um, as it had been 20 years since the original one had finished airing, Paramount didn't want to just make a direct sequel with the same characters and the same actors, uh, especially because the film universe was being developed alongside The Next Generation. So they went with a different approach, and they actually set it about a decade in the future, um, where The Next Generation kind of ended with Kirk and Spock, and... Um, had created peace between the federation and the klingon and so that's kind of where we pick up um even though it is a hundred years later so the the klingons are now part of the federation and the federation has expanded quite a bit we have a new set of villains introduced as well as the return of the romulans which play a, a much bigger part in this show Thematically, Star Trek The Next Generation explores a lot of where the original series uh, was going, but with the original series being made, being written, being made and produced in the 1960s, there is uh, a limitation. It's very progressive for its time, don't get me wrong, and the effects were also great for its time, but there is still this this air of, especially if you go back and rewatch it now, kind of this air of... of not really the bleeding edge progressivism as, as you would expect from Star Trek or as the Star Trek name has become paired with. Uh, that's mostly because it tackled social, um, ideas, uh, versus the next generation, which tackles a lot of political and geopolitical ideas that, um, are, are much more complex. And a lot of times, you know, the next generation, uh, you don't get episodes that are like these succinct-type packages. In the original, you know, you, you did have two-part episodes, but a lot of times, you know, you have a story, There was, there's was not a lot of moral ambiguity. In The Next Generation, they really changed that, and they really started to, to throw questions at the audience. They never really answered those questions by the end of the runtime. Um, and it's what makes The Next Generation stand out as, as such a superior series to the original At this point, I think we should just hop right into the first episode of the first series. Uh, so at this point, I think uh, we should just hop right into the first episode of Season 1, Encounter at Farpoint. Now, in this podcast, I'm not going to go over every single episode of Season 1. I am just going to talk about Season 1 and some of the standard episodes. Um, i not going to talk about every every one of them. But definitely have to talk about the first episode. Encounter at Farpoint. It was the pilot episode. It was the series premiere. And it came out in fall of 1987. The episode introduces us to a lot of key characters in the Next Generation universe. It reintroduces us to the USS Enterprise, the Enterprise-D, which is the new version that is being commanded by Captain Picard, as played by Patrick Stewart. Hands down, one of the standout performances from the show. Um, The Enterprise, they're en route to um, Farpoint Station. And on the way to Farpoint Station, they meet Q. Q who is another reoccurring character throughout the show. And Q becomes really important, both uh, in the narrative of Star Trek Next Generation, the overarching narrative, as well as thematically what Q represents, and later down the line what the Borg represent. But that's neither here nor there. So in this episode, right, we have Captain Picard and his crew, and they counter Q. And Q is basically an omnipotent being. He can instantly travel anywhere in the universe. He can kind of control uh, space, time. And he's a member of what's called the Q Continuum. And the idea behind the episode is Q, he, he, he encounters the Enterprise, and the Enterprise is the flagship of the Federation. And so he decides to put humanity on trial. Um, and the defendants, of course, being the cast of the Enterprise. And he says, go on this mission, go to Farpoint Station. And your actions will will be what I use to decide whether you're guilty or not. So, once they get to Farpoint Station, there are some strange things going on on this planet, and it's kind of a mystery, which is something that The Next Generation does really well, as to what is happening. And Picard has to basically deduce what's happening in order to prove to Q and to help the people of Farpoint. And they are attacked by an alien, yada yada. What they eventually learn is that the people on Farpoint uh, found this alien and they were using it to synthesize matter, create the station, create what the station needs. Um, Now, this is where Picard is given a choice. Uh, Q goads him. On and insists that he punishes the people of the station. Picard ultimately evacuates the people of the station, destroys the station, and the creature that the station was exploiting, the alien, is set free and reunites with its fellow aliens. The episode uh, Encounter at Farpoint itself um, has taken a lot of criticism for not quite living up to what The Next Generation became later down the line, but in my opinion, it still stands out as an episode that really represents what the show is, especially in comparison to the original series. Um, Here we have this contrast of Q, uh, like I said, he's become a thematically important character already, and humanity, right? Q is all-powerful he is much more powerful than humans but humans are still powerful enough where they they can dictate outcomes um in the, the lives of, of other people and so this is where the next generation is, is already asking those questions about the role of humanity's uh interaction with other alien races which you know as we've learned from the original star trek is uh, really just an, an allegory for America, and then in the next generation, specifically, kind of this NATO uh, organization that is the Federation, and how we interact with the rest of the world, and how we interact with geopolitics. And Captain's Picard, Captain Picard's ultimate decision at the end of the episode is not something that, that you might have come to expect after Kirk, right? It's not something that's decisive. It is potentially damaging, right? But Picard is a, is a character who values life, and he values that over all all others. it's It's not a for the greater good ideology that Roddenberry had pushed so heavily in the original Star Trek. It's every single life is precious, and and I'm not going to do anything to, you know, put anybody in harm's way or, you know, inadvertently let somebody die because of my actions the episode also introduces another really key theme that becomes central to not just the next generation but basically all of the rick berman star trek uh, shows you know next generation voyager deep space 9 um, that was not present in in the original series, especially as the way Gene Roddenberry imagined it. And it's this idea of questioning utopia. Now, Roddenberry always imagined the original Star Trek series to be kind of a very, very utopian sci-fi show that kind of gives a very positive outlook for the future of humanity, right? And The Next Generation, you know, reflects that in the sense that the Federation is still, you know, presented as as a good, net good thing for humanity. But here in this episode, we already see this hint of criticism, or at least a, a critical lens that is turned towards humanity and turned towards, you know, the modern American and the modern Western state through the show and the allegories presented in the show. Which is absolutely not something that was present in the original series. And it's something that The Next Generation ends up doing a lot more of later down the line. uh, Probably because Gene Roddenberry became less involved. I'm not going to spend time going through the whole cast that's introduced in the first episode of The Next Generation because the cast ends up evolving throughout the show quite a bit, but I will uh, mention that another character who plays a crucial role in this episode is Deanna Troy, played by Marina Sirtis. She is the ship's counselor, and kind of the, uh, you know, not, not the right-hand man to Picard, but, but maybe the left-hand man. She, she provides a lot of advice. He goes for her for advice, and Deanna is a new type of alien, Uh, called an empath meaning she can feel other aliens uh, emotions right humans and humanoid aliens and even other creatures Deanna ends up playing a really key role in the show she gets a few two-part episodes she she gets a few great um, solo episodes or episodes that focus on her and there's an interesting dichotomy here because Deanna kind of shows how, how the show is very emotionally driven at times and also very performance driven. Um, but that stands in contrast with the, the thematic folks as being more, uh, focused on geopolitics and a very like critical, um, look at the, the modern geopolitics or at least the geopolitics of the 1980s, late eighties, early nineties. And, That dichotomy, that contrast between the emotional core and the thematic core of the show really elevates it to a level that I would consider higher than the original series. Now, like I said, I'm not going to talk about every episode in the first season, but there are a few more that stand out as being really great episodes that I do want to uh, touch on and talk about the cast in the episodes a little more. The first one uh, of the other episodes I want to talk about is Coming of Age, which is the 19th episode in Season 1. And it focuses on Picard again, as well as Wesley Crusher, who ends up becoming a pretty big character, and a pretty polarizing character throughout the series' run. Wesley Crusher is the son of Beverly Crusher, who's played by Gates McFadden. She is the doctor aboard the ship, the head medical officer. And Wesley Crusher is played by Will Wheaton, and he is very young in the show. I'm not actually sure exactly how young he is, but he's probably in his teen years, late teens, by the end of the run. So the episode is one of the episodes that kind of has two stories that are going on simultaneously. We have uh, an Admiral Quinn... And his assistant, who have come aboard uh, for classified reasons, they've come aboard the Enterprise to perform an investigation of the crew. And then alongside that, we have the story of Wesley, who is taking the Starfleet Academy entrance exam. And both these stories have this uh, parallel idea of the characters being tested, right? The cast being tested and how they react to these tests and so it's through their kind of reactions that a lot is revealed about them and so in that kind of way this this is an episode that is more focused internally it's more focused on the performances the characters the crew of the show rather than um, the kind of scenarios that we usually find the enterprise in Uh, the result of the test is that Quinn is just testing to make sure that Picard can be trustworthy because he thinks somebody's infiltrating Starfleet, which ends up becoming relevant to the overarching story of the first season season later down the line. And Wesley ends up failing his entrance exam, even though he helps one of his friends pass the exam. And this is uh, one of those those episodes where, you know, we have a character fail, right? We have Wesley, who's this, you know, young kid, and and he actually fails his exam. And they say, you know, try again next year, maybe you can get in. Which is not something that you would expect to see from Star Trek. It it could be a little, you know, even disheartening to think about a character, you know, failing. But it's something that Star Trek The Next Generation really wears with pride. Uh, And in fact, the episode ends with Patrick Stewart, you know, Picard... And he's comforting Wesley and he tells him, you know, I failed my exam on the first time too. And so it's one of those episodes that, that hits the emotional core home more than the thematic core, but it is a really important episode in understanding the development of the characters and of Star Trek in general. You know, we see that, that the writers are not afraid to let these characters fail, to let them be imperfect, uh, And really explore that side of them. The next standout episode from Season 1 is Episode 21, The Arsenal of Freedom. Now, this episode seems like it is similar to the last episode, where it is more focused on the characters... And the emotional core and the performances behind the series. But there is uh, some interesting thematic ideas behind the episode, especially when we get to the end and the plot twist. So the episode focuses on an away team made up of Commander Riker, Lieutenant Commander Data, uh, Tasha Yar, and eventually Picard uh, beaming down to the surface of this planet to fight this unknown robotic entity that uh, has destroyed another ship and has now ca- taken some of the Enterprise crew captive. Uh, and meanwhile, we have Lieutenant Geordie LaForge, as played by LeVar Burton, brilliantly, um, left in command of the Enterprise. So the twist at the end of the episode is that this robotic entity was um ostensibly sold to the native population of this planet by some you know arms dealer and then it eventually destroyed that population now the reason I say that this is interesting is because it changes the episode perspective in fact the story editor for the episode uh Maurice Hurley actually said that the episode was it was kind of a commentary um on the sale of uh, advanced weapons to theocratic dictators in the Middle East by America. And that kind of shows the level of political understanding we're dealing with when it comes to the next generation. It's not service level, It, it gets very deep, it gets very literary, and this episode is no exception. Even though, on the surface, it kind of appears to be a very simple, straightforward, um, almost fun episode that kind of shows the Enterprise crew in this sticky situation. Lieutenant LaForge, while in command of the Enterprise, also has to deal with his own problems. He has uh, a crewman from Engineering come up and tries to take command away from him because he thinks he's mismanaging the Enterprise and there ends up being this kind of miniature power struggle that develops him as a character being someone who is is highly ambitious he's very standoffish he's very much set in in his particular ways and that becomes important later down the line but what really stands out from this episode is the fact that the show isn't afraid to tackle you know this this jingoist imperialist attitude that was the core of the original series, right? Even though we still are watching the show from the Federation perspective, we're still following a Federation crew, we are seeing a criticism, or at least a commentary, on, you know, this American practice of global weapon sales. And that is just another one of the ways this show is is definitely elevated. And again, this is very spotty in the first uh, two seasons, but by season three, this becomes a staple to the series and becomes really what the show is identified for. The last episode I want to talk about from season one is the episode Symbiosis, which is the 22nd episode of the season. It comes right after the Arsenal of Freedom Uh, And while it's not the last great episode of season one, it's the last episode that I feel like really encapsulates what makes the next generation so great. So the plot is pretty complex. Uh, I'll give a brief summary. Basically, you have the Enterprise runs into four aliens that they save from a crashing ship. They're from two different societies. One society creates medicine, which the other society exchanges goods for. And that's the basis of both their markets. Uh, And what we find out is that this medicine is actually a narcotic that they are addicted to. And the society that is producing the narcotic is basically using the other society for their economic manufacturing. Now, the messaging in this episode is not subtle. It's another episode where Maurice Hurley was the story editor and they had just recently worked on Miami Vice, so you can kind of see where the inspiration was drawn from, but it goes to highlight how the next generation approached these issues, because at the end of this episode, we don't get a grand cure, we don't get any sort of uh, arbitration between the two parties. Instead, what happens is Picard leaves the two alien species the two societies on their separate planets and he does not give them the tools to repair their freighters to trade with each other and it's kind of a bleak ending uh, similar to um, the episode about Wesley uh, coming of age it's not an ending that you would expect from Star Trek or really any sort of network television program it's an ending that doesn't answer the question that the episode poses, and that is really interesting because it's such a drastic change from the original series. Now, the original series had its fair share of ham-fisted allegories and metaphors, and while this is a ham-fisted allegory, it leaves way more up to interpretation, or at least it leaves a lot more uh, questions in the viewer's mind than answers. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of the seven-year tour. Um, everything was written and produced by myself, Hayden Hoffmaster. Uh Hopefully, you can join me next time when I talk about season two of The Next Generation.